Welcome to Deed and Truth, a podcast exploring loving God and loving others, not just in words, but also in actions, and with the Bible as the source and standard of truth. I'm Tommy Morris. And I'm Sean Schumer. That's right. And it is October, mm-hmm. which for us means weather-wise, nothing. Not a thing. It's still hot. It yeah. just gets dark a little bit sooner. Yeah. The whole world is enjoying fall. <laughs> okay. Not the whole world, because... There's different hemispheres and all that, but many people in America get to move into fall weather and we would move into like summer light. That's right. Do you like the darkness, like getting dark earlier? No. Does it mess no, up with work? Like, uh, yeah, because I mean, I get off and then it's dark. I spend all... It feels like your day's over, right? Yeah, I feel like my day's gone. And and then like, yeah, the cooler weather doesn't really kick into like Thanksgiving. Yeah, and I get tired when it's dark. <laughs> I just go to sleep. It's like it lights off, done. <laughs> I go to work, I come home when it's dark, and I go to sleep. I know, and I'm like, I, I want the cooler weather. Like, I want to make grilled cheese and tomato soup, yeah, like chili. Yeah. yeah, I like that kind all of All that, yeah. yeah. I also like the sun. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, true. <laughs> true. You couldn't make it in Alaska, bro. No. 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 So with October also, I think a lot of people would think of October 31st being halloween but what many may not know is that it is also reformation day this is the day that the reformation took place with martin luther nailing the thesis to the door in a response to the catholic church and so the the part of the reformation that we were that we are going to focus on this month is since we have five mondays to drop episodes we are going to look at the five solas and the five solas are Sola Scriptura, Scripture Alone. This is the one we'll be discussing today. But then we will also this month be looking at Sola Fide, which is Faith Alone. Sola Gratia, Grace Alone. Solus Christus, Christ Alone. And Soli Deo Gloria, to the glory of God alone. And so we're excited to look into these and what they mean uh, both scripturally and practically in our lives. And so today... We're going to start off by looking at sola scriptura, scripture alone. And so when we say scripture alone, what is probably the main thing that we're saying when we say that? Scripture is sufficient. And we see in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So this Second Timothy, it's saying all Scripture. That's right. All of it. So you know, it's interesting, at the time that Paul wrote this to Timothy, there was no New Testament. This is still true to the New Testament. Mm-hmm. We have the whole Scripture. But I think there are people who kind of discount the Old Testament as though, well, that was back then. That was law. That was the old angry God, which that's a whole other episode we could talk about. That The God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament are not two different gods. That's but right. I think sometimes there is this view of like Old Testament. But Paul is saying this to Timothy in a time where the main thing that they had was the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that all of Scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. You know, so... You know, I think that's an important thing to to think about, and it says that it it helps us to become competent and equips us for every good work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even, like, the New Testament, you know, it wasn't fully compiled yet, but it's 
a part of scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it was, like it says here, breathed out by God. So all of it, Old Testament, New Testament, all of it is is God's word and is, like I said, profitable for teaching or proof, correction, yeah. training. Because in God's sovereignty, he knew this verse would be in the in the New Testament, That's knowing right. that we would read it and that we could take from Genesis to Revelation and know that in all of it, it is profitable for us in our lives. And then we go to Proverbs 30. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. You know, you just, and you reading Proverbs 30 here, it says every word of God proves true. You know, and I think you brought up in the last uh, episode we did on politics. I'm glad we're past that. But you brought up that scripture proves scripture. That's right. I can't remember if that's how you worded it, but. Yeah, scripture interprets scripture. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. And so here we say, I mean, Proverbs 30 just reiterates that, that every word of God proves true. You know, he he proves it through other scripture and through, like, what, what did we say? Oh, yeah. Like 1,500 years, it was all, it, it took like 1,500 years to write the Bible. Yeah, and all the different authors, yeah. 66 different books, and yet one consistent story. Yeah. And yeah. scripture has proven itself to be true. Uh, but also through fulfilled prophecies. You know, we've seen that, the fulfillment of, of the word of God to be true. Yeah, I like what it says here. Do not add to his words, uh, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. That it's all of scripture is is perfect and complete. And we should not add to God's word. We shouldn't unhitch the Old Testament. It's It's all of it. All one complete peace. Yes. And then we see uh, in in Psalms, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So, yeah, I mean, it says that God's law is perfect. So there's no flaw. You know, so it's, there's a lot of debates on is scripture inerrant, infallible. Well, it is. It says so. Yeah, I really like how it's worded in this psalm. It's got these... Like these little sections, the law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? Revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. What does it do? Makes wise the simple. I just like how it's it's kind of like a cause and effect. Yeah, <laughs> to, to, like the Bible is this, and therefore it does this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I like the how it ends. If you think about kind of like the American dream and the whole idea of like obtaining stuff possession status and yet the psalmist describes scripture here that it's to be more desired than gold even fine gold you know and then that it's also sweeter sweeter than honey dude i love honey me too it's so good me too it's so good i like a honey and peanut butter sandwich yeah i like that and i like putting honey in my coffee you know what i like putting honey on Mm. a spoon (laughs) 
Yeah. It's Straight up. It's pretty good. Have you ever chewed honeycomb? Uh, no. No? No, I've seen people do it, but I've never had the opportunity. You're from the South. This is true. We need to fix this. You've got to try it at least once. <laughs> I mean, I'm down. I've just never done it. I mean, it's weird. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, this is off topic, but, but I, I really like honey. It's really sweet. My five-year-old loves honey. Like, loves it. Puts it on yeah. tortillas, in her yogurt. Like, honey is sweet. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is a way to almost eat something that's like candy, but argue that it's all natural, so therefore it should be good for you. Yeah, and yet, and so I think that it is very intentional in using this language to talk about how Scripture is sweeter than honey. Yeah, and in the Old Testament, when he's bringing the Israelites into the land of milk and honey, it's honey again is described as like this land is going to be great. And it's going to have milk and honey. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's viewed as a very valuable thing, a, a, something to be desired. That's right. Right. And and something that I think sweet things are something that can be craved. And I think that that, when you think about scripture, I mean, this is saying that the law of the Lord, the, the word of the Lord, his precepts, like this is something that we should crave, we should desire. And that when we eat of it, when we partake of it, you know, it should be a sweet taste upon our lips, like something that we're like, that's so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's it's cool and even using that vernacular too, because there was a, this guy, Nate Pickowitz, wrote this book called How to Eat Your Bible <laughs> and viewing it as food and, and, and substance and stuff. And it's a great one. It's It really goes through like how to how to read through the Bible, but instead of doing it like in a year, it lays out like a multi, like six or seven year plan and stuff. But, I mean, it talks about that, about uh, about desiring it, craving it, wanting to, like, like the way you eat every single day, right? Feed upon it. Having that hunger for God's word. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy to think, right? We don't, I don't know about you, but when it comes to, to eating meals, I don't only eat lunch on Sunday. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> so that shouldn't be our only feeding of the word of God, right? This is very true. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So on top of it being this sweet thing and this valuable thing that we should crave and desire and and love and cherish and the fact that it is true uh, and that it is profitable for all things scripture is also authoritative that's right yeah all all other authority is subject to the authority of scripture yeah it's the standard yeah you know we say it in in our intro you know that the bible is the source and standard of our truth that's right no sorry the Bible is the source and standard of truth, not our truth. <laughs> I want to reiterate that. It is the source and standard of truth, period. That's right. Yeah. But it is. I mean, that's the thing. It's like no matter what is out there, no matter what is being posited out there as far as a, an argument or a statement, we would hold up the Bible and go, okay, how does that line up with this standard? Yeah, we see in First uh, Thessalonians 2.13, and we also thank God constantly for this. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. That is the thing. It is the word of God. And I like that this is pointed out because I think some people will be like, well, it was, it was just written by a bunch of dudes. But no, I mean, this is saying that it was written by God. Yeah, it's the word of God. Yeah. It's breathed out by God. It is authoritative. Well, that goes back to what we 
you know, the verse, first verse you read in Second Timothy, that all scripture is breathed out by God, you know, that it's not just, you know, something that's uh, words written by men, you know, that it really is the actual word of God breathed out through the Holy Spirit to inspire these men to write it. Yeah. One thing I've always thought was cool is uh, in Genesis where God spoke creation into existence through his through his word said let there be light and there was light and then you see in like john you know the word the word was with god the word was god well yeah so jesus is the word and and the word is authoritative and jesus said in matthew all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me you have jesus saying that all authority has been given to him you have scripture saying that scripture is the word of god you have John saying that Jesus was the word, that he is the word, you know, and just kind of all, it's, it's that whole thing of when you put all the scripture together, you know, you see the authority to authority of the word is because of the authority of Christ and the authority of God, and because it is the word of God. And so it is, it, it is his heart. It is his decrees and his law and his precepts. And it is his direction for our lives. Going back to like people saying, Oh, well, it was just written by men, you know, first of all, they're, they're ignoring the fact that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the ironic thing about people like that is, is they will turn right around and quote to you books written by men who are like still alive. You know, I've heard people argue, you know, whatever the Bible was written by men. And, and so, you know, you don't really have to listen to it. And then the next thing you know, they're quoting Richard Rohr, who's a universalist Franciscan monk who doesn't even believe that Jesus was the was truly Christ the Messiah. Oh, wow. And they're quoting this guy. I'm like, this guy's still alive. He was on Oprah. Like, you're literally <laughs> quoting a guy who's still alive while you're disregarding all these guys who we've already said wrote over, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years and all confirmed what one another wrote. All these different authors who wrote one consistent story that all points to Christ. And you'll disregard their writings, but you're quoting a guy that was on Oprah last month. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't make sense. You just disregard one book and pick up another and, and use that as your, as your scripture. Yeah, I don't get it. That would be like me writing a book about electricity and someone reading it and saying that they're going to listen to what I said over you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because cause I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> So with that being said, I mean, this kind of leads us into this, this next part. You know, there is a there is an attack on Scripture. You know, one of it is that people will argue that it or try to say that it was just written by men. Uh, they'll try to discount it being the Word of God, even though it clearly states that it is, that it was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that it is the Word of God. Uh, but there are other attacks on Scripture. And, and, I, and I would like to maybe even say this. They're not all from lost atheists out there who hate God. Some of the attacks on scripture, I would say come from within religion, even within evangelical churches. Yeah, so what are some of the attacks that we, that we see nowadays? Uh, what we see, they're saying that it changes with the changes in culture. You know, that scripture changes. And so, we, so it like adapts. Yeah. That, you know, as your, as your culture changes, the, the scripture will change. Let's keep up with the times. Yeah. What we see here in uh, Isaiah 40, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word 
the word of our God will stand forever. And in First Peter 1, For all flesh is like grass, and all of its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So the word never changes. Yeah. Well, this goes back to what we were talking about, about it being the standard, the authority. How can how can it be the standard and authority if it's if it's malleable? Yeah, I mean, if it changes, it, you, it can't be trusted. <laughs> well, it goes back. I think last week in the politics when we talked about part of making political parties their own religion is is man creating a god in his own in his own image. Where Genesis says that God created that we were created in the image of God, right? That God created man in His image. But now we attempt to flip that and we attempt to create God in our image and we create a God that, that strangely looks like us. Yeah. Right. And so with that, uh, there's this need to try to make scripture conform to us, to our new God that we've created. Yeah. Because we want to, we want to be validated because we're important and we are our own little gods. So we need to, we need to make ourselves feel better and make this scripture fit our God that we've created. And it, it doesn't work like that. Uh, I'd heard somewhere that uh, Thomas Jefferson actually cut the Bible apart and then took the parts that he liked and pasted them back on new paper and like basically made his own Bible out of all the scriptures that, that he liked. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that's the interesting thing is, is you think about that of Thomas Jefferson doing that. He's from Buku years ago. But also we see, you know, Peter quoting Isaiah. So you have Isaiah in the Old Testament. You have Peter quoting Isaiah in the New Testament to address this, that the word of God stands forever. So clearly this isn't an issue that's just happening today, right? Clearly there are, there have been those for centuries. Yeah. I mean, there ain't nothing new under the sun. No. Yeah, I mean, Peter says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved Paul our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Yeah, I mean, that is interesting. It talks about them twisting scripture. That there are some things that are hard to understand. And that the ignorant and unstable. I mean, those aren't very nice words. (laughs) No, not really. I think some people are going to be triggered, offended by that. But that the ignorant and unstable will twist it to their own destruction as they do with other scriptures. You know, so there is a twisting of scripture and I think that's the thing. People try to twist it and conform it and mold it to the modern culture and, and to the God of their own liking, you know, and that's a very dangerous thing, you know, and it, I mean, Peter says it, it leads to destruction. Yeah. So scripture doesn't change. It is perfect then now forever. I think something else we see in the church more so. So I think outside the church, you'll see a lot of like attacks about like whether scripture is true, you know, that it was only written by man. We'll see a lot of those. 
you'll start to see even some of that it changes with culture. And I think we see that a lot with what we talked about last week with politics, right? As moral stances and moral high grounds change with the ever-changing political climate, you'll start to see people trying to twist scripture and make it adapt to the culture so that they can use it for their political bend. Um, but within the church, I think one of the biggest dangers is that we just, we've, we've watered down scripture. We've tried to take away from its authority, from its, from its power. I mean, we think about Romans, that the gospel is the power of God into salvation. Like we've, we can't strip scripture of his power. God says his word will never return void, but there's been this attempt to like water it down uh, so that it's more palatable. It's almost like Scripture in and of itself, for those who love Scripture, as we read, right, it's like honey. But, like, we don't trust, and when I say we, I mean not us, right? But there are those who don't trust in its sweetness. And so they feel that they need to sweeten the word. Yeah. But it's kind of like people who defile sweet tea by trying to make it with, like, Splenda. Oh, Gross. That's so gross, right? So that's what I would equate. So that's how, that's going to be our new way to equate it, right? Is that they have they have stolen from the true sweetness of Scripture, <laughs> and they have tried to sweeten low it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Don't sweeten low Scripture. Don't sweeten low my Bible. No. No. <laughs> but it's like they think that they'll make it more palatable. Yeah. Right. That. Well, what's the benefit of that? If they, uh, if if a pastor were to do that, like, why get more people in your church? Oh, uh, you know, grow your numbers. You know, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Make friends. You know, all this, all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, like you said, for those who truly, truly like scripture, I mean, scripture is awesome. But yeah, to water it down. In Second Timothy four, three through four, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I mean, those are kind of big words. Having itching ears, wanting to hear something that you want to hear. So you're, if someone says something you don't want to hear, if someone brings to you scripture that is true and right and you don't want to hear it, you're going to have those itching ears and find someone who's going to tell you what you want to hear because what you want to hear is more important than scripture. Yeah. It's been interesting because I've heard people come across, come against some of the modern preachers who are kind of building those seeker sensitive churches that, that they kind of say the things that they know are going to draw the crowds. Right. So I kind of heard some people kind of debating that topic and, you know, there was, there's always this group that kind of comes against the preacher himself, you know, saying like that preacher is a false teacher. You know, they're just saying whatever that will draw the crowds. And then someone else brought up a good point. They said, well, that preacher wouldn't even be able to have that position if there weren't a group of people who wanted that. It is supply and demand. Yeah, this is true. That person has that position solely because these masses that's what they want. Yeah, with their itching ears. With their itching ears. That yeah, they want that constant spew of motivational speaking and yeah. self-help and whatever else that's coming across instead of scripture. Validating their own 
their own beliefs or their own values. It really is. It's speaking to where their heart truly is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it says here, you know, that they're turning away from listening to truth. Yeah. So in Galatians, Paul seems to have a lot to say about a lot of this stuff. But in Galatians, he writes, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And so with that, you know, I would say Paul in in Corinthians, he writes to the Corinthians about what is the gospel and he goes through it. And, you know, he, he even says, if anybody comes to you and preaches a different gospel, even if it's an angel or even he says, even if I come to you, let them be accursed. Yeah. You know, I mean, even throwing himself in there. He says it twice. Yeah. And so, and him saying this, I mean, I do think that, that we see this nowadays. We are, people are saying, well, the gospel is, uh, there's, there's a group out West who says the gospel is doing miracles and healing, you know, and there's a, a man who says that he will not, that his reading of scripture does not allow for a theology and a gospel that does not include miracles and healing all the time. And I'm like, well, okay, but that's not the gospel. That's a different gospel. And if you're saying that the gospel is healing and miracles, that's a different gospel than what Paul preached. That's, yeah. that's, that's not what Paul said in Corinthians. You know, for those who we talked about in the last episode about morality and like this workspace, that's a different gospel. He says that they're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, not another true one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And then he goes on to say here, as I was saying, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I memorized Galatians 1.10 for attacking my fear of man. I mean, it's strong because uh, where it says, I would not be a servant of Christ, you know, and it's like, ouch, <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think about it from that standpoint of like fear of man from an individual perspective. And that brings up again, probably another Topic that we can yeah. discuss one but day. I guess to stay on topic is fearing your crowd, your audience. Yeah. You know, so you're you're seeking the approval of your church, quote unquote, and, uh, you know, they're itching ears. So you're, you're seeking their approval, trying to please man. It says right here, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's kind of hits you. Big time. I mean, because you really, you're serving, you're serving man at that point. Thinking to you talking about your battle with fear of man, right? I'm sure for a lot of these people who do this on the, on a mass platform, I'm sure it didn't start that way. It probably started with an individual fear of man. It probably started when, if you think about having to stay true to the gospel within a small crowd, you know, like if I fear man and I see you on the street, and I'm afraid to share the gospel with you because I'm afraid of you being mad or cussing me out or rejecting me or whatever. And so I have that fear of man. Then I can see that if you, if I gain a platform and now I have a thousand people in front of me instead of just you, that, that fear has just been given a larger. Yeah, yeah multiplied by a thousand, however yeah. many people are. Yeah. 
I don't just automatically now start preaching the true gospel because I have a large following. Yeah, that's right. If anything, I'm now like I'm validated in not being true to that because now, oh, well, me caving to man has given me this audience now. Yeah. So now they all like me. Yeah. And then kind of like you said, it's it's validated that what you're saying is true. In people in those position, what they're saying is is not true. It's a different gospel. Yeah, so. big time. So clearly we want to be we want to be servants of Christ. When we look at scripture and we look at our lives and wanting to stay true to the gospel and staying true to what the word of God says, what does it look like or what place does scripture have in our lives? What how should we kind of walk out this high view of scripture? Well, we should have we should have that hunger for God's word. And study God's word, study the word, hide that word in our hearts. Uh, In Acts 17, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Yeah, and that's speaking to the, about the Bereans, who that was their, they're, they're mentioned very briefly, but that was their thing that they were known for, that they examined scripture. Yeah, they daily received it, examined it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you don't just eat on Sunday. You know, eat every day, multiple times a day. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Second Timothy two fifteen says, "Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth." And so, in studying it, rightly handling that word which is truth. And the King James actually uses that terminology. It says to study, to show yourself, uh, where the ESV says, do your best to present yourself. But yeah, it is about rightly handling it. But it also, that that word, there's no need to be ashamed. A worker who has no need to be ashamed. And you think back to what Paul wrote in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel Mm -hmm. because he recognized that it had power. But we we do need to study our word. I think it's probably one of the biggest issues we see I think with, I would say, modern professing Christians is they don't know the Bible. And we saw before that twisting of it can lead to us being drawn to myths. And I think if the Bible is the standard and we don't want to be drawn to myths by those who would twist it or try to contort it to to match their view of God or culture, well, how are we going to know? How are we going to know if if we don't ever read it? Yeah, you're not. (laughs) That's the thing. You got to read it and uh, more than just read it and let it go in one ear and out the other. Study it. Study the word and just know it. Know what it, examine it, read it, study God's word. Yeah, the cool thing with it too is you're not going to get it all the first go around. No. No. I, I don't know if you have you ever read a verse and like somewhere fifth or sixth time you read it, something. Like there's some passage that you're like every single time. (laughs) I didn't see that before. (laughs) Yeah, the first time I read through, I think it was Leviticus. I was like, man, this is super tedious. (laughs) All these, you know, when they're, you know, the golden loops or fifty gold loops on this side and all this, and I was like, man, I don't, I just, I don't understand why I need to know all of this. (laughs) And I felt bad because I'm like, man, this is God's word. Like it's in here for a reason, and so reading through the Bible again, got through, got through all of it. And then was reading through it 
a second time and I was like, whoa, <laughs> like all these details, it just, it just clicked for me. All these details were what, you know, were what the Israelites had to do just to, just to commune with God, you know, and they, they could go into the Holy of Holies once a year and the, all these sacrifices and stuff they had to do that the first time I read through it, I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't understand this at all. And the second time I was like, man, we like, we can pray, <laughs> you know, like the veil had been torn and we, we have access to God. Whereas, yeah. So, yeah. So you read it and you start to see the reverence for God yeah, and how holy he is. But then it also brought, brought it back into perspective for you of where we are now under the new covenant with, with Christ that, wow, we don't, we don't have to jump through all those cold hoops exactly. <laughs> right? to come yeah. before the presence of God. Yeah. Like that's powerful. It, it, you know, it took the second time reading through it and I'm sure next time I read through it, something else will pop out. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. always telling Andy, I'm like, Oh man, I just read this and I've probably read this. I don't 10, 20 times over the years. And I just now saw this, say this and, you know, I think that's just part of the Holy Spirit continuing to grow us in the knowledge of the Word. That the whole it's the Holy Spirit's work to reveal truth to us. You know, and I just think as we grow in our knowledge and understanding of the Word and of God's character and in our own sanctification and putting to death our, our sin and flesh, new things will start to pop out like that, and and we just start to see more of the greatness of God and more of who He is. Because that's really, I think that's a, a key little caveat to put in here is we do study the word. I think it's important to remember that the Bible is not about us. This isn't a story about us. That's right. We're not the heroes of the Bible, <laughs> right? God is. This is a story about him. This is a story about Christ and his redemption of us. So it is about him. So we've been studying James in life group, in our small group. And, you know, we have learned that just studying by itself, is that's not where it ends. That's right. So what what are we called to do with we're, all of this? Yeah, we're called to put the word into action, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. If we're hearing only and not doing, we're deceiving ourselves, according to James 1. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And then James says to a few verses down, being unstable in all his ways, like a, a ship on the sea, like a wave on the ocean. Um, yeah, being double-minded. Yeah, and double-minded, unstable in tossed, all his ways. Yeah, yeah it's true. I mean, it, and I will say there's probably times where I've read scripture, I don't put it into to practice, that wisdom of applying it to your life. And, I mean, it becomes very easy to forget. Yeah, for sure. That's, like, my number one problem is, is just forgetting. And then I'll catch myself, like, man, I already, I knew this, you know. I just forgot. I looked into the perfect law and forgot the law of liberty, and I did not persevere. But when you're intentional to live it out, it sticks with you. I think back, so two episodes ago, we talked about anger, and you talked about always quoting the one scripture to yourself. I think when we were talking about being slow to speak and slow to anger, and... The anger of man does not produce God's righteousness. Yeah. 
And you said that you couldn't always remember the words, but you would at least reference the book, chapter, verse, right? Like you would say that, and it would remind you, you knew the, you kind of knew the, the, the gist. The yeah, yeah, the, the takeaway of it. Yeah. Yeah. But you were very intentional to, to be a doer of that word. Like you, you read it, you studied it, you knew what it said, but you took it that next step to be intentional to put it into practice. And you remembered it because you were intent on doing it. Yeah. Studying the word, memorizing the word, and then putting that into practice, into, into my life. And so the word of God also shows us our heart. You know, I think we talked about the law. The law is like a mirror. Right? The law is not what justifies us, right? But the law does, the law was given to show us our sin, to be that mirror. You know, I heard somebody say, I think it might have been one of the American gospel documentaries. You know, he said that you don't use the law to save you from your sin, right? That would be like looking at the mirror to see something stuck in your teeth and then taking the mirror off the wall and trying <laughs> to use the mirror to get the thing out of your teeth, right? Yeah. Like, But does show us the character of God, the law of God, and it shows us the sin within us. And Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, And so the word of God will cut to that it's not what comes out of a man you know what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him but what comes out and out of the abundance of heart the mouth speaks and so the word of god brings discernment to our thoughts and to our and to the intentions of our heart and so it will reflect our heart and david prayed search my heart see if there be any wicked way in me and him praying or him writing you know your word have i hid my heart that i might not sin against you you know, because the word of God reveals our heart, it challenges our heart, and it helps to bring that sanctification. And that goes into it as it shows us our heart, it also helps to guard our heart. You know, just as we said, that, that it helps to, to keep our way pure. Yes, Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that's where it comes back to like memorizing the word, hiding the word in your heart and using that so that you might not sin against God. Yeah, there is a, a meditation, a constant keeping it on our minds. Yeah, to uh, meditate on God's word night and day. Yeah, and, and in that, as we as we study God's word, as we put it into action and in, in looking to live it out and to walk out the character of God. And as we have it both reveal and guard our hearts, it gives us wisdom and direction in our lives. You know, we think about always praying, God, give me wisdom. You know, I don't know what some people probably want God to open up the skies and speak down audibly to tell them, go do this or go do that. But, but truly a good place to start is it's in the Word of God. Yeah, get in Scripture. Yeah, what has He already said? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It says, uh, like in the Proverbs, the beginning of knowledge is this: get knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, fear of the Lord. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's right here. You're in Psalm one nineteen again. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It will guide you. I heard someone say it. I think it's 
his name's Justin Peters. Oh yeah. Uh, but he's like, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna hear the word of God, like read the Bible. If you wanna hear it audibly, read it out loud. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's got everything we need. Yeah. Yeah, and you had you had already kind of touched on Joshua one where it talks about meditating on it day and night. You know, this is Joshua ref- referring back to the law of Moses and and scripture. But that's true for all of Scripture. You know, it is something that we're to to meditate on day and night. And I will say, uh, if I will keep Scripture in my mind or put it on a sticky note or something somewhere and keep it before me, uh, it really helps with my day. <laughs> it really helps my day go, yeah. go by a lot differently than when I'm focused on myself and my problems or whatever else around me. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. So again, we hear a reference of meditating on it day and night. But the interesting thing for me is this, like people come up with decisions, right? And we will do... we'll we'll call like phone a friend, right? I need advice. You know, we'll go ask everybody. A lot of times we're asking cause we're waiting to find the one friend that we have is going to tell us what we yeah, really want to do or want to hear. Tickles are itching. You. <laughs> going back to that. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really want counsel. We really want someone to agree with us, but, but this is saying delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Like this is saying that like, if we want wise counsel, we should start with scripture. We should start with the word of God part of that is knowing it delighting in it we've we've talked about that like craving it desiring it we've talked about it meditating on it this ver- like this passage hits all of that but the cool thing to me is it talks about what that type of person is someone who is dedicated who delights in the law of the lord who seeks counsel from the lord it has this description at the end there that he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit and the leaf does not wither I mean, that's a very healthy, vibrant, lively tree. Yeah, it paints a picture. And I, I think we're all familiar with trees and rivers. If you've ever, you know, floated down the river and stopped at the sandbar and got off and there's a tree by the river, it's it's vibrant and growing, you know. It, I just, it, it does, it paints a really nice picture. Yeah, it says that we are like that tree planted by streams of water. And we are called to bear much fruit yeah. as Christians. And so this saying that those who delight in the law of the Lord, those who meditate on it day and night, that helps us in bearing fruit. That's right. You know, and it's not to be puffed up by knowledge, right? It's not just knowledge for knowledge's sake, because this is about, as we're studying in James, living it out, mm-hmm. doing it, putting it into action. But in this, we need to remember that in sola scriptura, in scripture alone, that scripture is the ultimate authority. It is sufficient in all things. It speaks to every area of our lives before there was philosophy and before there was, what's that? Tradition. Tradition, psychology, any of that. Before any of that existed, God was. Yeah. He is eternal and his word is eternal. As you point out, John, Jesus was the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so the word of God is eternal. And it is sufficient in all things. And it it is the ultimate authority. It is the standard by which all things should be judged. And it is something that we should delight in because it is sweet to our lips, like honey. 
and it is something that is vibrant in our lives that gives us guidance and helps us to produce much fruit. And so we would just want to encourage everyone to be diligent and become students of the word of God. That's right. Yes. Yeah, stay, stay in the word. It's, it's super easy nowadays. Everybody's got, I mean, everybody's got a Bible, but everybody has a phone and there's the Bible app, you know, that you can, you can search, you can go on there and hit a search button, you know, temptation or whatever you're, whatever you can just search anything on that and it'll bring up scripture and you just scripture after scripture after scripture. I mean, we can carry the Bible around in our pocket on our, our devices. More accessible than ever before in history. And there's tons of resources out there, but we would also say get into a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, true-to-the-word church, somewhere where the Word of God is proclaimed every week, um, where it is esteemed and held high as the standard of truth, and get under people who will walk you through Scripture. Yeah. Don't just look for someone to tickle your itching ears. And, And pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you as you read. So we would love to hear uh, more just about your studies through scripture or questions you have. So we would like to connect with you. You can do that on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching the deed and truth podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at deed underscore truth. You can check out the website deed and truth podcast.com. You can actually leave us a voicemail there or send us a message. We'd love to interact with you hear a little bit more just about what you're studying in Scripture, how Scripture has impacted your life, or any questions that you may have. Go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a five-star rating and share the podcast with your friend. And be sure to check us out every Monday so you don't miss an episode. All right. Till next time.